Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. How many of us, we've disobeyed that already today? Right? Yeah, you passed by the gas station, you took a little thought for your life right there, right? <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you just were, you know, walking through the grocery store and you took a little thought for your life. Or maybe you saw that your children just grew out of their shoes. Whatever's going on in your life, um, whatever situation, maybe you had a vehicle situation, whatever it is, take no thought for your life. Maybe you had a health concern happen this week. Aren't we naturally uh, prone to take thought for our life? By the way, most of the prayer requests we hear, aren't they about the thoughts for our life? They're about our health, our stuff, right? Jesus says, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat? And the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of, it, or the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And we all said, Amen to that. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, he says. Verse 33. We know it, but isn't it hard to live it? I think often we come to church and we say, and I've done this over the years, come to church and I'm like, man, I'm going to get some new truth today. Sometimes we need to just be reminded of the truths that we have, by the grace of God, we need to live out. The truths that can transform our life. By the way, if we live out this verse, it'll flow into our study of the word of God and help us to understand the Bible. We often... Uh, want just new information, and God says, I want a deeper relationship. And he says, I want to be first priority. But seek ye, what's the next word? First. I'll read the phrase, and you say the last word, okay? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, he says. This phrase, the kingdom of God, is used 68 times in the Bible. The kingdom of God. Speaking of Jesus, Basilea, his kingdom rule. His kingdom reign. The kingdom of God. Jesus clearly came to preach the kingdom of God, and we will see that later on in the message. He says that he came preaching the kingdom of God. 
And the very first thing that he commanded was to repent. So Jesus' message was the gospel of the kingdom of God and his very first sermon, Repent. Very simple title. Guys, you don't need to make it complicated. Think about, hey, what should I preach on? Repent. It's what I have to do regularly. I don't know about you. Anybody I know that's walked with God, it's what they got to do regularly. Question today, whose kingdom are we living for? There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Or we could say kingdoms of this world because they continue to multiply. But personally, we live in a world where everybody is concerned about their own kingdom. It's illustrated in culture. I'm going to ask you to finish these phrases. I'm sure you know them well. My body... Good thing you guys didn't know that really well. But that's what our culture says, and you didn't want to say it because it's contradictory to Scripture. In other words, the phrase is saying it's my kingdom, my own rules. Who cares what the Almighty God says about it? My body, my choice is a direct rebellion against God because it ain't my body, it's His. Here's another phrase. This month they celebrate it. Love, what is the next part? They say love is love. Really? Studies show those types of unnatural love are short-lived. But they say the phrase. If it feels right, what do they say? If it feels right. But once again, if you approve of it, then it's right. So who cares how it affects the kingdom of God? The phrase, if it feels right, do it, is direct rebellion against the Almighty God and against his kingdom. Because I don't recall at the judgment seat of Christ anybody's going to be asked about their feelings. <laughs> I, right? He's not going to say, is there, Lord, I was mentally incapable because I felt bad. It's right or wrong. It's going to be black and white, my friend. We have painted a false picture with many phrases in our society. In the movies, often older movies, they'll say, and they lived happily. Oh, you guys could say that one safely. Really. We hope so, right? The motion picture suggests that if they had the right physical attraction and they looked happy, that's all that matters. But real life teaches us that love is way more than hugs and kisses. And when they did a survey, by the way, of couples that were happy in marriage, they found out that care and genuine concern were among the top and not the physical part that the world seeks after. We will, because love is patient, love is forgiving, love is truthful, and love is kind. We have painted a false picture with these phrases. There's another phrase. They fell in love. Really, like that happened on accident. They're just walking down the street. Fell in love. Try that, buying a car. I fell into the car dealership. I mean, marriage is the most important decision anybody will ever make in life. They just fell into it, really? Uh, I don't think so. It was a choice. Out of the millions and billions of people in this world, it was a choice. In the same way that God chose to love us and die on the cross for us when he knew we would be filled with, yes, 
stinking, rotten pride, yet he still loved us. And friends, if you fall in love with Jesus, try that. Anybody, any of you in here accidentally just fall in love with Jesus? I was just walking down the, down the street one day, I just fell in love with Jesus. Is that how it happened? No. It is a deepening walk. And if you fall in love with Jesus, it will be because you intentionally chose to read his word every day. It, was it will be because you intentionally chose to put him first every moment of every day. You say that's impossible to do. But yes, because we seek to choose. I die daily, Paul said, continually returning to Christ. Look, lovers enjoy each other's attention and, and affection. And the Christian will encounter, who, who will encounter Christ must seek the kingdom of God before anything else. Patience is a God-given fruit of the Spirit, is it not? And so rushing ahead in life and leaving Jesus Christ behind is as foolish as jumping into the water and trying to swim across the ocean instead of waiting for that ship. You say, I got a ticket on the ship, but the ship hasn't left the dock yet. Wait, you'll have a far safer ride across the ocean. But too many times in life, we jump overboard and we say, I can outswim this ship, it's going so slow. But when that thing gets moving, you'll enjoy the journey and you'll enjoy the ride. And I tell you, when we put our faith in Christ, it is much like getting on the ship. And often we might feel like we're not moving. But you know what? You're moving forward if you're faithful. You ought to be dependable about the things of God. You ought to be dependable. And I liked it at, at your graduation yesterday, Kamari, what they said. One of those ladies, I can't remember, Hogan, I think, the, uh, there was the two ladies. One was a lawyer. They, it was over the speaker. But they, they, were, they were speaking about character and developing character and tenacity. And they basically said uh, people that have character and are dependable are the people who succeed in life. And they said work is a good word. It's not a bad word. And I said, man, that's great. Coming from a secular institution, saying that at the graduation, it's like, yes, now all y'all get a job, okay? Um, right? <laughs> I do want to make a minor comment about the graduation. Because I have been in the state penitentiary. Why do they pick the same color outfit? The grump jump shoots at the prison are forest green. Glens Falls, South Glens Falls, Graduation gowns, they are forest green. Hudson Falls. Hudson Falls. They're forest green. I'm like, why did they pick the same color in the two institutions? By the way, I'd like to know why over there at the facility, why they have forest green and they got them sitting in a forest. It makes no sense to me. When they want to go find somebody, the outfit's impossible to find. I just couldn't help. I walked in there and saw the big old crowd of people wearing forest green. I'm like, the last time I saw a crowd of people wearing forest green... Maybe they ought to think about changing the color. I mean, they said they started wearing regalia 17 years ago. Maybe they should start changing the color. Maybe go to black or something more normal, okay? Um, it's a normal graduation color. You guys like my sense of humor today, okay? Just had to throw that in there. I don't know why. It was the first time going to graduation here in this area, so I didn't know, okay? Whose kingdom are we living for? First, we see in the text the kingdom of the world. Verse 25 speaks of this. Jesus says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. You say the kingdom of this world, talking about your life. I seem to remember the devil in the Garden of Eden 
had one temptation, and it was based upon selfishness. If you eat this piece of fruit, you will be like God. The kingdom of this world, operated by the devil himself, teaches selfishness, and Jesus teaches the opposite. He says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. The devil operates in the realm of fear and self-indulgence, but God gives peace and not fear. Christ teaches us to deny ourselves, the kingdom of this world. What's this kingdom of this world built upon? It's built upon a self-centered focus, a self-centered focus, taking thought for our life. Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 24, if you'd like to turn there with me, Matthew 19, 24, speaking to the rich young ruler. After the rich young ruler said he kept all the commandments and honored God, Jesus said to him, in verse 21, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. The Bible says, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. We'll get down to our verse in a moment. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. If you have ever done any sewing with a needle and thread, like me, you've done a little bit, a little bit of hemming. Would you lift your hand? You've sewed with a needle and thread. Any of you who found that easy to put that piece of thread through the needle without wetting it, without using the little eyelet thing, and it went through easy, would you raise your hand? <laughs> Two experienced folks, okay? You found it easy. But how many times did you practice it, right? Right? If you've done a little bit of sewing, and I tell you, when I have to hem something up around our house, I'm, I'm the one chosen to do that job most of the time. And uh, it's a task. I have a sewing kit I got when I was an intern. And it still, still lasted, okay? So it's only got a little bit of thread in there, so it shows you how much I do it. Not much. But it's a little tiny sewing kit from Central Baptist Church, and it works great. Those little tiny needles, and I tell you, sometimes I'm sitting there, and I have to keep cutting that thread again to try to get it through. The Bible is drawing the analogy because you say, this is impossible. Jesus is saying, yes, it's impossible. He says, when we as a culture are so connected to stuff, it's harder for people to get in the kingdom of God than for a big camel to go straight through that eyelet of the needle. You say, how could a camel get through the needle? Impossible. In the same way, somebody who's trusting in their stuff, it's impossible for them to get in the kingdom of God. A self-centered focus. I heard of a devout believer in astrology named French King Louis. King Louis was deeply impressed and uh, he loved astrology and he was impressed with this astrologer who correctly foretold of a lady in the court, who would die in eight days' time. Deciding, however, that the two accurate prophets should be disposed of, Louis summoned the man to his apartments, having first told his servants to throw the visitor out of the window when he gave the signal. You claim to understand astrology and to know the fate of others, the king said to the man. So tell me at once what your fate will be and how long you have to live. 
I shall die just three days before your majesty, answered the astrologer. The king was so shaken that he canceled his plans. A self-centered focus. We live in a culture driven by self-centeredness. And Jesus says, take no thought. Too often we're so preoccupied. And my friends, look, we ought to be planning ahead right now, right? I mean, we can see it coming. And, and you can see it's not going away. But he says, don't be so preoccupied with it that we forget the kingdom of God. We've got to seek his kingdom first. That doesn't mean you don't plan ahead. It doesn't mean we don't save. It just means that we don't let self-centeredness come first. Secondly, there is a fear-driven focus. A fear-driven focus. The kingdom of the world is, bent, is built on fear. In verse 30, he says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he... So much, uh, so not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith. Which of you, uh, he says, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He speaks of how the Gentiles seek after all these things. They're driven by fear. Fear of the unknown. The world we live in is very worried today, are they not? All the news has to say is like two words. Monkeypox. Right? Except for they forgot to tell us that's directly related to the behavior that's being celebrated this month. And it's only been found in people who are involved in the behavior that's celebrated this month. They forgot to tell us that minor detail, but they try to get the entire society scared, put their mask back on. Why? Because of something that only happens when you're involved in things that God says not to be involved in. Interesting, right? But once again, a fear-driven focus. A fear-driven focus. We spent the last two years with our society being driven by fear. We all experience the unknown, but the believer has no reason to fear if they put the kingdom of God first. Dr. Andrew Bonar told of how in the highlands of Scotland, a sheep would often wander off into the rocks and to places it couldn't get out of. The grass on these mountains was very sweet and the sheep liked it. And they would jump down 10 or 12 feet and they couldn't jump back. The shepherd would hear them bleeding in distress, and they may be there for three or four days until they have eaten all the grass. The shepherd will wait until they're so faint that the sheep can no longer stand, and then they'll put a rope down around him, and he'll go over and pull that sheep out of the jaws of death. He was asked, why don't you go down earlier to free the sheep? He said, ah, they're so foolish, they'll dash right over the precipice and be killed. And that's the way it is with men. They won't go back to God until they have no friends, until they have lost everything. And if you are a wanderer, I tell you, the good shepherd will bring you back at the moment you, you get done trying to save yourself and trying to eat your own grass. And you say, I give up. I'm going to trust Jesus. A fear-driven focus. The world is so worried about what they have. Look at how he says back in verse 28, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Don't you like lilies? I love daylilies. They're among my favorite to plant because you dig those things up. They seem to multiply very well. They take good care of themselves. I do not have to water them. And they look beautiful. There's like no maintenance involved. Zero maintenance. I love things like that. Whereas you got to deadhead all these other things, right? And it's a pain. I love the way the lily 
blooms and it just looks so beautiful. And that is what God uses to describe. He says, take a note. Look at the lilies. Look at how they work so tirelessly. You don't really have to fertilize them each year. They seem to grow great on the side of the road, right? I mean, you really don't have to do anything. These day lilies just pop right up, didn't water them, didn't fertilize them, didn't even weed around them, and they still grew. Pretty awesome. I enjoy them. They're one of my favorite plants to plant. Because you know what? Everything else takes a ton of work. God says, you look at that. Look at the way the lily grows. He says, I take care of the lily. He says, I'll take care of you. Would you look at the lilies? They're blooming this, right to this time of year. Would you take a look at the lily and would you remember? You know what? Nobody had to take care of that lily and it bloomed this year just fine. Maybe you took care of yours just because you love them. But honestly, they'll take care of themselves quite fine. God will take care of you. You don't have to be so preoccupied. I wonder how it's going to grow. God says, I'll let you grow. Just follow my plan. Just follow my plan. The world has a fear-driven focus. A fearful driver is not very safe on the road, right? In the same way, a child of God who's living by fear is not guided by grace. Secondly, this morning we see the kingdom of God. First, we saw the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of God. Now we will see in verse 33. But, Jesus says, seek ye first. Would you underline that word first in your Bible? Seek ye first. I want you to ask yourself one question this morning. I've asked myself the same question. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? There's a lot of things on the to-do list, right? You might feel sometimes like you wasted a day because maybe you spent more time with people or you spent more time doing something else. But if it was invested in the kingdom of God, it's worth it. Fully invested in God first. First and last are very obvious to me. Just like yesterday at the large packed area, we were there in the little children and we had parked. We got a parking space at the end of that driveway. We walked in and we said, wow, there's a lot of people here. And all the way walking in, I thought, thought to myself, I've been to a few ball games in my life. You, always, you all know I don't like sports. I've been to a few ball games. They were more like college events where you could go cheap. And uh, five or six dollars, you could ride down and be a part of the, the, the ball game or something. And uh, I don't really like sports, but that's just what I, was, I did, right? And I remember the traffic coming out of those places was always horrendous. And I thought to myself, look at this one little tiny driveway right here. And we're all going to have to come back out of here. And look at all those people. I don't know about you, but with three little toddlers, I thought about myself. And I wanted to be among the first 20 getting out of that driveway, not among the last, Okay. It's very clear in my mind which group I was a part of because I didn't have to wait long to get out and turn out on Highway 4, okay? And uh, I said, I'll catch up with Kamari tomorrow, <laughs> right? I looked at that driveway, and I looked at my kids, and I looked about that driveway, and I said, you know what? We're going right now, okay? Uh, they, they started playing the song, we're on our way out, okay? And a lot of other people followed the signal, too. Why? Because we didn't want to be last, there are some things I, I am last for, and I don't mind being last for leaving the church, fellowshiping with God's people. Those things are great, okay? I don't mind standing around. But whatever is important to you, my friend, 
you'll be there first. It will be first priority to you. There is no doubt in our minds when, when we are first in line or when we have to wait in that grocery line at Walmart. I know some of you all are more spiritual than me and you don't go to Walmart, okay? Pray for me. I get right with God. But the prices there are a little bit better. <laughs> I'm just trying to live by Dave Ramsey's budget plan. And so um, I tell you, though, you come down through there and you have to wait in line sometimes. It's very clear to all of us, it's very apparent who's first in line and who's last. It's very clear, it's very apparent when we make something first priority in our life and it's very clear to God when he's been put in the back of the line. Today, where's God in the line in your life? You say, I got a lot of things to do. Is he coming first? Or is it like, well, Lord, you know what? There's some things I got to take care of. You say we got to take care of ourselves. You say we got to take care of our family. We got to do this. We got to. Lord says, Where am I? Back there somewhere. I seem to recall that if we know Christ by faith in heaven, we're going to be worshiping who forever and ever? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why not put him first on this earth? If you put him first in this earth, I promise you, you'll be much more happy in heaven. Fully invested in God. First, you and I don't pursue God by accident and you won't pursue God's kingdom by wandering. You can't pursue God's kingdom by wandering around. You say, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to wander around and just kind of figure my life out. No, no. First, seek the kingdom of God. Put him first. If it's something around the kingdom of God, that's what we want to have first in our life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It is a fully invested life. God must be first, fully invested. Mark verse, chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus speaks of his sermon. And I mentioned I would go to this passage. This is where Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, in verse 14. And Jesus, it says in verse 14, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the, look at the phrase, kingdom of God. It's the exact same words, exact same Greek words here. And saying the kingdom, or saying the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. His command was repent and believe. If you've never repented, my friend, we, it all starts by repenting. We come to Christ, and it's not that we just get a better life. We must come to him a place where we say, I trust Jesus alone. Not the fact that I've been born in a church. Not the fact that I've gone to church all my life. The fact that he died on the cross for my sin and I repent. I'm a sinner. He's the Savior. And I turn to him. Fully invested in God first. You won't invest in God if your heart's still in the world. It's impossible to serve two masters, Jesus said. The phrase, the kingdom of God, used 68 times in the New Testament. It's very important to God. Everything else we see in this world is temporal and temporary. Matter of fact, everything we see in this room, everything is temporary and temporal. You say, but pastor, our souls are going to live forever. That's right. Have you seen your soul? I haven't. It's the invisible part of man. I've been at the bedside when somebody passed. And my friend, I didn't see anything leave their body, but I know their soul went to be with God. Nothing left. Physically that I could see. It is the invisible part of man. 
So everything that we see, yes, we love the air conditioner. Yes, we love each other's company. Yes, we love the senses of humor that one another share. Yes, we love being in a, a place that is well-kept and taken care of. But, my friends, um, the kingdom of God is not involving any of these things. It's in heaven. And it's leading souls to the king of kings. Fully invested in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Will you choose Christ today over self? There's only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. So we see a fully invested life in God first, and we see a fully blessed life by God. God wants to bless your life. I love verse 33, the promise that he makes in Matthew 6. He says, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, by the way, that's the part that we sometimes miss. That's his righteousness, his perfection, his holiness. Lord, I want to be more like you. It's not what can I get away with. It's Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I be more holy like Jesus? I challenge you next time before you get jealous of somebody else who maybe God's blessed. And you say, I don't know how God blessed them. Look in verse 33. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, there's a promise. And... All these things shall be added unto you. You say, does that mean God's going to give you a bunch of health and wealth? I've seen God has allowed many of his servants to suffer. But I've also seen God has blessed many of his servants throughout the years, right? God blesses those who put him first. Before you get jealous of another's possessions, maybe consider God might have given those things to them. I mean, isn't, doesn't God own everything? Everything's God's. So before we get jealous... We might want to consider maybe God gave that to them. By the way, God does better math than you and I do. And God rewards fourfold. The Bible tells us back in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 2. He says, When thou dost thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou dost thine alms, he says, Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, that thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You say, what is he talking about? What are our alms? He was talking about the giving that they did. And as a culture, the Pharisees, they'd walk in the temple. They wanted everybody to see what they were giving to God. And God says, by the way, he says, Don't let one hand know what the other hand's doing when, in regards to giving. In regards to giving to the poor, in regards to giving to the house of God, don't let, it, don't let people know. He says, let thine alms, he says, be in secret. Because he says, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. He says, if you do it in secret, he says, thy father which seeth, where? In secret, himself shall, look what he says, reward thee, how? Openly. Whenever God blesses somebody, take heed it might be related to this verse and be careful about how we judge. There's always the rare possibility that somebody might live by verse 33. It's rare. But what if we sought first the kingdom of God? God promises to take care of everything else. Often what do we say? Lord, I'll seek first your kingdom after I get done paying this and paying that and paying this and paying that. Lord, I'll put you first. I know there's souls dying around the world, but Lord, I'll put you first eventually. But Lord, let me make this payment first. He says, 
Why not, why not love me first, Jesus says. Why not seek me first? Seek the kingdom of God first. By the way, it is not just a, a matter of finances. It is a matter of our heart. Because if you love your kid, what do we do? We spend time with them. If you love your family, they're visiting, what do you do? You spend time with them. If you love the things of God, that's where your time's spent. We spend time with what is important to us. I thank God for those who have shown me by the way they live. There was no doubt the kingdom of God was first on their list. There's a God in heaven who keeps accurate records, and God wants to bless your life. And really, it's his opinion that's the only one that matters. His opinion's the only one that matters. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. If Jesus Christ came by right now, you say he's not here right now. His Holy Spirit is here if we let him. Say, Lord, would you speak to me? You say, Lord, am I seeking first your kingdom? Would you ask God that question today? Lord, am I seeking first the kingdom of God? The Bible speaks very clearly of all the things that everybody else is worried about. He says they're worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to put on their, their clothing. He says the body's more than all these things. He says don't worry about those things. The Gentiles seek after all those things. He says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. I'm thankful that God knows that even right now when a lot of people are moving out of our state, right? There's a lot of for sale signs going up. And by the way, that's the conservatives leading, leaving, okay? He hadn't figured that out yet. You know why they're leaving? Because like the little bumper sticker says on somebody's car that comes to our church, tax is too high. I mean, that's why they're leaving, okay? And they're leaving. You say, does that mean we need to leave? No, I constantly hear people saying, I'm going to move to Tennessee. I'm going to move to this place. I'm going to move to that place. Okay, enjoy it. I've lived in the South. Um, God called me here, so that's, you, you go where God called you. Look, I don't like the fact that we heat with oil up here, right? And oil is the most expensive form of heat right now. I, that's just part of life. But my friend, in the midst of all of these things, you, you might be confused, you might be frustrated with everything going on. The Gentiles seek after all of those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In the middle of this world that's falling apart around us, what if Jesus Christ came back right now? If he came back right now, that's the way we need to live. Our priorities this week, Lord, I want to seek first your kingdom. You say, I'm worried about what so-and-so thinks. Don't worry about what anybody in this room thinks about you. Only worry about what he thinks, okay? Because, by the way, if we aim to please him, we will have a happy life. We will have a satisfied life. Whose kingdom will we live for today? The very phrase, my body is my choice, is a rebellion against the God who says our bodies are not our own. He says you're bought with a price in 1 Corinthians 6.20. Love is love is a rebellion against the very historical laws of God that show how every society that paves their own way instead of God's way is destroyed by God. The phrase, they fell in love, is unbiblical. If you're considering marriage, why not study the marriages in the Bible? They were generally arranged by the parents. And the few who dated around, like Samson and Esau, seemed to go for the wrong girls. And in both cases, they did not consult God or follow godly wisdom. They fell in love, and they had great trouble because they did. Falling in love is unbiblical. Pursuing a right, godly relationship is biblical. The purpose of marriage is to raise up a godly seed. Any other purpose is worldly. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let's invest wisely in the kingdom of God. Nobody should have to 
force us to invest in the kingdom of God in terms of our life, we ought to say, you know what? I'm going to give my time, my talents to serve the king of kings. Lord, you say, if I give to serve God, if I give my time, is God going to reward you? God keeps good records. And God knows what you... God is not... not Unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You love God, you love his kingdom. Many people have loved this place. Many people have, have sacrificed over the last 40 years to see this place continue right here. And we ought to give, we owe them a debt of gratitude, and we ought to be continually thankful for all the blessings God has given to us, the blessings God has bestowed upon us. The automatic result of being filled with the Spirit of God is a desire to serve the Lord with gladness. Maybe this morning, right before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, you take a moment, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and just say, Lord, whose kingdom am I living for? Myself or the kingdom of God? The kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God? Would you ask the Lord and would you let him guide your heart that we might walk in the fear of God today? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just ask the Lord to meet with us right now. Would you take a moment to pray? Would you take a moment to seek his face before we celebrate the Lord's Supper together? Would you take a moment to ask the Lord, Lord, cleanse me. Lord, purify my heart. Whatever God's dealing with you, however God's speaking to you, however God's encouraging you, would you respond to him today? As the piano is going to play in just a moment, would you do business with the Lord? Father, we thank you for speaking to our hearts. Help us to do business with you. Help us to please you. And may it be known in this community that there's a church right here, Calvary Baptist Church, where the, seek, the, the people here seek to please God. Where that's the goal. That's the one goal in their heart. They want to please the King of Heaven. Pray you'd help that to be true of us. And that others might rise and call us blessed because we followed you by faith. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts. Help us to put your kingdom first today. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just quietly respond to the Lord right now? Would you take a moment, maybe come forward and pray and seek his face? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you.